Hello, my name is Liam Bird, and I'm the fan liaison officer for the disability charity Level Playing Field. We at Level Playing Field campaign for better access and inclusion for disabled people, so live sport is accessible for all in England and Wales. And this is a new podcast endeavour for the charity. The podcast will be a monthly podcast where each month we will focus on a particular subject matter. Our aim is to bring a variety of voices from all over the sporting community to discuss disability subject matters regarding sport in England and Wales. We plan to discuss a plethora of subject matters such as disability abuse, away travel and stigma around being disabled and attending live sport. If you have a subject matter that you would like Level Playing Field podcast to pick up on, please do email me, liam, at levelplayingfield.org.uk. Episode one of this podcast will focus on the one subject matter that has sadly affected everyone globally, and that is the COVID pandemic. In this episode, I speak to Watford Football Club and discuss the work they have been doing within their community to support disabled fans and community as a whole during this pandemic. I talk to the EFL's mental health charity partner, Mind, to discuss how the suspension of attending live sport has impacted our mental health and how we can all support each other during lockdown two and moving forward. Lastly, I speak to the chair of Luton Town Disabled Supporters Association, as well as the vice chair of Charlton Athletics Disabled Supporters Association, to discuss how COVID has affected them, their members and the impact of the coronavirus on football as a whole. All interviews were taking place via Zoom to keep to the government COVID protocol. As I touched on before, many sporting clubs have been working within the community to offer support during this pandemic, and Watford Football Club is no different. I spoke to Dave Messenger, who is the Supporter Liaison and Disability Access Officer at Watford Football Club. Hi Dave, thank you for joining me. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, um challenging times of course but yeah we all do we're doing okay thanks before we start getting into the heavier stuff i suppose we should talk a little bit of football i mean mm. how how is the season going i mean it's a weird one yeah it's odd yeah we're, we're doing okay, we're doing okay so far not too bad a start we sit where are we as we as i speak we're second in the championship it's probably fair to say most Watford supporters would think that we haven't actually played that well to date we've played well in fits and starts and we've obviously done well enough to be second in the league but there's a lot of optimism around about you know if we can find another another level and, uh, and have a promotion season and get back to the Premier League. So, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at. It's okay so far. The biggest disappointment for us, of course, is that we still can't get our fans back in the stadium. Having, uh, having done a lot of preparation work for that earlier on in the season and sort of through August, September, very, very disappointing for that not to have happened yet, although obviously the reasons are, are, are understandable. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange old season so far, without a doubt. But we're, we're okay. We're doing all right. I mean, you, you touched on it, and this whole podcast episode is all about COVID and the pandemic and how it's affected clubs. I, I mean, clubs up and down the country have kind of stepped into that social role within their community, doing a lot of outreach work, and Watford are no different. I mean, the club have created Hornets at Home. Can you give me a quick overview of what that project is about? Yeah, so Hornets at Home, something we actually started back in March when the first lockdown kicked in. And we wanted to, you know, at that point in time, everybody had just been told, Probably, you know, the lockdown rules then were probably even more stringent than they are right now about people having to stay at home and isolate and all of those things. So we wanted to have a way for our supporters to be able to contact one another, really, was the first idea. So, let you know, can we get supporters to volunteer to 
take shopping around to those that needed it or just be a friendly voice on the phone or help out with any other little bits and pieces. So that was sort of the, the, the original idea of it. And then we started very quickly to get the idea that players and former players might might be interested in making some phone calls to, to our supporters as well. So it started off as very much, you know, contact us if there's anything you need. And very quickly we realised, well, let's actually start calling out. Um, we got to all of our over 65 season ticket holders first. There's about two and a half thousand people and tried to make sure that at least every one of those got a call. So later in the summer, we tried to get around all of our season ticket holders, which is a big undertaking. It's about 13 and a half thousand people together. And I wouldn't say we got to every single one of them, but we know we spoke to the vast majority. Um, and just, you know, just reaching out and just saying, is there anything we can help with? How are you feeling? Are you feeling isolated? And those supporters that were, um, that were older supporters or disabled supporters, especially, um, being sort of our focus here with, with you guys, speaking to our disabled supporters was incredibly important to make sure that they had everything they needed and whether we could play a part in helping them get through that initial lockdown. So having done that in the initial lockdown, then we, we, it's sort of, uh, came to us really later in the summer that it would be something that would be nice to extend beyond the pandemic. So we've actually now sort of taken it a step further, really, and made it a permanent part of our provision for supporters. So it's got its own page, permanent page on our website, and done a lot of communication around that, making sure that supporters know this isn't just something we're doing for the pandemic. If there's something we can help with as your your club and your local community, then uh, then let us know. And that's been really good. Um, in the last sort of few weeks, we've really started to see more and more people from from the local community getting in touch and even more than we did in the first the first way so well I, I think that's important as well because from our survey that we created in may we found that 43 percent of disabled supporters who took part said that they worried about their mental health being away mm-hmm. from live football and yeah. then it, that increased when we asked the question of if this carried on till next season which we're which we're into now that went up to 62 percent. so i'm not surprised you've seen an increase in people reaching out and and wanting to take part in this service. I mean, what has been the overall response from it then? It's been hugely positive. Say that we 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 had over three hundred supporters actually volunteer to to be of help to others. Um, in that initial run, we as I say, we spoke to we know we spoke to every single one of our over sixty five season ticket holders and the vast majority of others. Um, and we've had loads of different examples of things, you know, from like I say already from picking up shopping and. And make, helping pick up medicine supplies just to, you know, former players or current players, giving someone a chat just to say hello and see how they're doing. And, you know, the, the weird and wonderful end of it as well, where some guy that used to go out cycling every day before the pandemic and that actually had to, you know, curtail that a little bit and stay indoors and bought himself an exercise bike and got it home had no idea how to fit, put it all together. <laughs> right. Actually, one of the guys from our ticket office was like a bit of a dab hand with that sort of thing. So I'll go and he went around to this guy's house and, and put his exercise bike together for him. So no matter what the examples are, no matter what things things are, you know people ask us, we're, we're always able to, to help out. I mean, I believe support or, uh, engagement is key anytime really but i mean during the pandemic it's it's kind of come into its own what mm. tips um would you give for other clubs to kind of continue to do what watford seem to be doing and that's really engaging within their community yeah i mean there's an awful lot of clubs out there that are doing this sort of work so i wouldn't want to sort of sit here on a on a, on a high horse or anything like that it's it, there's an awful lot of clubs that are out there doing exactly the same thing so those that maybe haven't thought about it yet as i say the key thing is to go to people and ask what they want I've heard of a couple, you know, there's a couple of clubs out there that are saying, oh, we're going to do this for people that are isolated, or we're going to do X for X, Y, Z for people that are isolating. And that's great. Obviously, it's going to go down well. But the real benefit is if you ask people what they need, 
is there something we can help with? You know, that that way you're actually helping them with something that, that that's a bit more practical and a bit more, um, I guess, a bit more, you know, rewarding, really. Because, yeah, you know, you could you could do a virtual stadium tour for people that are isolated. That's a great idea. But it's not really very, you know, it's not going to provide any real practical benefit beyond that sort of couple of hours that they might be doing that. So something that's of more of more practical use is going to be far more is going to be far more beneficial for supporters, especially those with disabilities that maybe can't get out of the house themselves and, and are going to be relying on someone else coming to, to drop some shopping around and things like that. So that would be the key bit of advice, really, is speak, you know, put yourselves out there. Don't be afraid of it. Put yourselves out there and say, what can we do to help? And let people come to you with their suggestions, and then and then work from there. That's that's the that's how we that's how we approached it, and that's say so it's 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 born through in terms of the in terms of the sort of um, the the people we've been speaking to and, and helping out. I mean, how important is it that football clubs do come to the forefront of of the kind of the social care during this pandemic? Hugely, I think, and and it's not just football clubs. Every every town and city in the country, every local community within the country, you know, everybody's got a part to play. Where they can play a part, they should play a part. And you know, it doesn't matter who they are—be a football, be they a football club, or be they, a, you know, a local pub or a local restaurant or any of those sorts of things. It, everybody's got their part to play, and everybody can help in, in what's a really difficult time. Uh, just to say, people listening, Dave has uh, building works going on uh, outside of Vicarage Road, so uh, that's the noise you can hear there. Has the pandemic taught us anything that we can use going forward regarding club engagement with disabled supporters? Yeah, I think when when we focus in, uh, you know, I've been talking in very general terms about all supporters really so far, but I think when you focus in specifically on people with disabilities, what I think is key for us is I think it's more about not so much about helping now with the pandemic, it's about helping with that aspect, as you mentioned a minute ago, with those stats getting people back to the stadium and helping supporters to to return to what they love, which is coming to matches. So I think from a, from a, we're very much a focus on people with disabilities is, is there something that you need from us? Are you worried about coming back to the stadium? What will you need from us to enable you to come and enjoy the matches and feel safe and secure in doing so? And I think we've done an awful lot of work on that in the last few months, especially in the run up to that period of time when we thought we were going to be able to get supporters back when the, the test events were happening with a thousand fans and we were about to ramp up to get to sort of, you know, fives and six thousands coming into the stadium. So for us being, being on the front foot in that piece of communication with disabled supporters was absolutely key. You know, tell us what it is that you, that you, that you will be worried about if you come back to the stadium so that we can work on it and try and put something in place. And, you know, most of those things that we put in place for disabled supporters ahead of hoping, hoping they could come back were, were pretty much, you know, there's a lot of common sense things involved. Of course, there wasn't a lot of things that we'd be doing for all supporters, but just being on the front foot and going out there to our disabled fans and saying to them, you know, what do you need from us? How 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 can we make you feel more safe and secure? That's that's hugely important, I think. In a kind of roundabout way, do you think this pandemic has actually provided clubs the opportunity to really engage with fans in a way that probably wouldn't have been able to before? I think so. I think it kind of focused minds a little bit and it kind of, more than anything else, it gave us time to be able to do those sorts of things. The world of football is incredibly fast paced. And, you know, especially in the, even at the best of times, you play a game at the weekend and there's another game the following weekend and another one after that. And, you know, the focus is on, you know, selling tickets and people coming to the stadium and all of that sort of stuff. So the, the, the pace of life working in football is, is fast. And actually the pandemic probably gave us a little bit of time to stop and reflect 
And by putting things like this in place, the Hornets at Home scheme is a great example. Having that now as a permanent part of our division, we probably wouldn't have been able to do that had the season continued in its normal way and, you know, Saturday game, Tuesday game, Saturday game, Tuesday game. Had we, without having actually had that period of time to reflect and put those things in place, we've now got those things and we'll keep them here going forward. So I think that's actually probably quite a nice byproduct of the, of this whole of this whole period of time. We had more time to think. We had more time to consider what more we could do within our local community and, and, and came up with something, unfortunately. Saturday, Tuesday. Uh, Dave, welcome to the championship, mate. The Saturday, <laughs> Tuesday, yeah, we, we talk about it a lot, the Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday. The amount of times it gets, you, if you follow a championship club, the amount of times a manager or a player throws that into a pre-match interview is uh, absolutely hilarious. You you play Saturday, Tuesday bingo with pretty much any uh, <laughs> with any any post match interview with a, with a manager or a player in a championship. Dave, thank you for giving up your time, mate, and uh, anyway. I look forward to being back at Vicarage Road soon soon enough. No problem. Cheers, Dave. If you would like to know more about the Hornets at Home project, you can find a link in the episode description of this podcast. Mental health has been very much in the public eye during the COVID pandemic. In early June this year, Level Playing Field released the results of a survey that highlighted this particular issue and how the suspension of life sport was and is having within the disability community. I spoke to Hayley Jarvis, who is the head of physical activity at Mind, the EFL's mental health charity partner, about the Level Playing Field's fan survey results and how the impact that the suspension of life sport has had on sport fans up and down the country. Hello, Haley. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, surviving in these strange times. Let's start um, talking about sport. I understand you are a Wolves supporter. I certainly am. I'm a season ticket holder and I found it very, very strange the, the, these last nine months uh, not being able to, to go to a game. So I certainly really feel with your, your listeners um, that I, I feel it sort of to me and my husband by by not being able to go to the match and quite frankly um it's not the same is it right now so it's it's been really tough so for you then what what's the thing you're missing the most um i think i think really that that whole experience of going to going to the game it's something um for myself and my husband that we really enjoy doing together but also it really benefits uh, our mental health certainly for me personally quite open about my own struggles with my mental health and uh, my therapist is always happy when I've been to the football because it's a great release. I mean, I'll stand up on my feet and shout when I think something's wrong. And and certainly that, that whole experience, the walk there, the, the chat on the way back, the the whole um, uh, people around you that we've got to know over the years of being season ticket holders. So, so yeah, certainly um, I know how tough it's been both for us, but also for, for lots of other, other people out there not being able to go, go to a match. This episode in particular is going to focus on COVID and its impact it's had on disabled supporters and live sport as a whole. As we moved into lockdown one back in March, a focus was placed on mental health of the nation. Mind Power report that stated uh, that we are in a mental health emergency. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, so we did we did lots of research. So as an organisation, it's really important that we, we listen to what people with mental health problems tell us. So we put out um, some research, a survey, and also followed up with interviews and focus groups, reached just over 16,000 people who were really telling us um, the impact it had on their mental health. So um, more than 60% of adults and over two thirds of young people said that their mental health had got worse 
during that first lockdown, which is is really staggering. And we know, you know, prior to that, we had lots of challenges as an organisation and as a, a society around our mental health. But we saw people for the first time experiencing mental health problems. And then those with existing mental health problems often told us that their mental health got worse. So it's been a really challenging year. And I think it's fair to say now we're in lockdown two, it, it remains really challenging for us. And so um, it's great that we're able to have this conversation today about mental health. I don't know if you're aware, but Level Playing Field did a supporter survey um, back in April. And it stated that a high proportion of disabled supporters, 62%, stated that they, if they weren't able to return to sport this season, they fear it would have a considerable impact on their own personal well-being. Are you surprised that the percentage is actually that high? I think it's it's really concerning, um, if not surprising, really, around that statistic. Um, you know, two thirds of the supporters saying the impact of missing live sport on on their mental health. I mean, we know for our work with the, the English Football League as the, the charity partner, you know, the um, the impact it's having on fans and the camaraderie that people have, that routine, it's in your calendar, it brings you together, it's something to look forward to. But it is really important, you know, we are in the middle of a global pandemic that, you know, obviously we follow restrictions. So whilst we understand it is a real challenge and so in trying to find ways to um, replicate some of those things it's it's not quite the same but reaching out to our mates watching stuff on zoom finding other ways to follow up with one another is is so important right now so yeah sadly really concerning but not a massive surprise unfortunately I mean you kind of touched on it but I just really want to kind of hit on it I mean how important is it to go and enjoy and watch live sport yeah, I mean, the sport is just, it's just fundamental, isn't it? It's, its you know, part of um, our main conversation. And we know most football fans, the main thing they talk about is, is football. That's their number one thing. We, we did some research into that. And I think it's its everything. It's not just the match itself. It's everything that surrounds it. You know, that social contact, whether that's meeting your mates for a drink before kickoff, you know, that feeling of um, being part of something bigger. You know, people say football is like a religion. You cheer along together. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're all there for the same thing and you're behind the team. So that sense of unity. Also being able to show your emotions in a way that you, you might not feel as comfortable in everyday life. So we've talked to lots of lots of people through our partnership with the EFL and, and lots of male fans in particular. You know, it's it's acceptable to to cry when you've lost. Uh, certainly, I remember being at, at the um, semi-final of the FA Cup at, at Wembley and Wolves went out in a very difficult fashion. And, you know, people weren't afraid to show their emotions and, and cry about that. Um but also it's another way that people push the boundaries. So if they struggle with anxiety in their, their day-to-day life um, or perhaps struggle with um, large groups of people, um, we find that people will push themselves to go to the football. Um, I'm sure you'll probably see this will probably resonate with some of your supporters as well because they love the club and they go there for that and they will overcome some of those challenge, uh, challenges that they face because they don't want to miss the, miss the game. So, yeah, it, it's more than just 90 minutes kicking kicking a ball about on the pitch. It's, it's you know, it gives us so much in terms of um, our sense of self, our identity, and really, really impacts on our mental health. As a Forest fan, I, I, I can definitely uh, say that crying, watching football is a, is a common occurrence uh, <laughs> for me. Is there anything we can actually learn from the pandemic that can further support anyone struggling in the future? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's lots that we can learn. So on a very practical level for, for ourselves as individuals, I think there's lots of ways that we can take care of our, our mental health. And it's, you know, one of the... I guess the benefits of, of what's happened is that people have been 
uh, more conscious of their mental health. You know, the Prime Minister's talking about it, uh, Chief Medical Officer. And so really thinking about the things we can do in our, our day-to-day life. Um, so it's about connecting with friends, families, with your, your mates that you go to the football. You know, it might not be the same, but reaching out to people, whether it's a phone call or on your fan forums and, and staying in touch with people can really, really strengthen relationships. It's about taking notice and, and being in the moment. So really being aware of how you're feeling. Like we are in the middle of a global pandemic and, you know, that's that's sometimes a real roller coaster and that's tough. So acknowledging acknowledging how you're feeling and but also looking for the, the things that you can be grateful for. So um, social media, I'm sure you've seen lots of um, people promoting gratitude and three things to be thankful for each day. And you can, you can find them if you look, look hard enough. We've heard a lot about getting active. Doesn't have to um, be intensive for long, really. Just moving more can, can really help us to, to stay well. And, and using this time when we can, whether that's learning something new, listening to this podcast today can really help to build your self-esteem um, and learning is proven to help us stay well. And I guess the last thing is around sort of giving. So doing good makes you feel good. And we can all do something. So that's texting a mate, checking on them or um, or you know, giving a compliment to someone, some really simple stuff. I think for us as an organisation, the wider things that we're, we're pushing for is we've been calling on government for uh, to provide a winter mental health package to help support more people during the pandemic. Because, you know, this we, we're hoping funding will be sustained. We've seen a lot of frontline services um, move to telephone or perhaps even pause. And that's been a real struggle for, for people with their, their mental health um, because that, that face-to-face is, is so important. So... I guess one of the other key messages is um, it's really um, about reaching out for help early. Lots of people told us um, in the, the survey that we, we put out earlier in the year that they didn't feel their mental health was um, a problem enough to reach help for help and support. So they waited. They didn't think they were poorly enough. And actually, the sooner that we tell someone we're struggling and the sooner we, we start to address those things um, in our lives, um, the, the better out the outcome is going to be. So there might be people listening to this who might feel well themselves, but are concerned about their friend. Where can people seek support and advice on how how they can look after themselves, but also look after their pals? I think uh, we can we can all look out for um, our our friends, our family. Um, we we have a campaign called "Have Your Mates Back" uh, through our partnership with the EFL, and it really is about that. You know, being there, being there for our mates, and, and dropping them a, a text to see how they're doing. So we have lots of information on our website, so minds.org.uk. Our info lines open uh, is open Monday to Friday, 9am to 6pm, um, and the details are on our, on our website. So there's information for both you as an individual, but also how to support someone else. I guess the biggest message is not being afraid to ask someone how they're doing. And, you know, we are very British. You know, we ask, how are you? We started this conversation earlier, how are you? And we all say we're fine, often when we're not. So not being afraid to kind of ask them twice or, you know, maybe you've not heard from your mate in a while or um, they just don't seem themselves on their, their patterns have changed on social media or whatever it might be. Just just kind of checking in with them and saying, no, really, how, how are you doing? Because there is help and support out there. Perfect. Hayley, thank you for talking to me. I, I hope you're back at Molyneux soon enough, uh, enjoying uh, Nuno Express of, of, of great football. Very jealous as a fan. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
If you are interested to know more about the work that Mind are doing or would like to read Mind's mental health emergency report, then there are links in the episode description of this podcast. Richard Hill and Tony Farrell are chair and vice chair of their respected Disabled Supporters Association, also known as DSAs. DSAs are vital voices for disabled supporters within their football club. The impact of COVID has not only affected DSAs and their members directly across the country, COVID has also brought a real possibility of clubs going out of existence due to the financial impact that the suspension of attending life sport has had. I spoke to Richard and Tony about these real issues as well as discuss how the loss of life sport has affected them directly. Right by the vower, by the vower, start again. This is the good thing about audio. You can you can uh, stop and start. Uh, by the power of the internet, uh, I have two chairs from their uh, respected DSAs, which are disabled support associations for people who don't know the acronym for DSAs. Uh, representing Charlton DSA, I have Tony Farrell. How how are you, Tony? I'm very good, thanks, Liam. Yeah, I'm the vice chair, by the way. I better make you. Yeah, oh, I, I promoted you there, Tony. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i hope i get this one right and representing luton town dsa i've got richard hill how are you richard yeah, yeah hi i'm very well thank you i haven't demoted you or promoted you no no you're spot on this time perfect well thank you for both joining me um we're recording this coming into the second week of a lockdown 2.0 i should ask how are the both of you i'll ask you first richard how are you you doing okay you coping uh, yes, yeah. Personally, I'm 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 fine. Uh, I I have a job where I can work from home, so I'm I'm pretty well occupied. So yeah, no, all good, all good. Thank you. And you, Tony, you well? Yeah, yeah, fine. This episode in particular is talking about the subject matter of COVID, uh, something that's impacted a lot of our lives outside of sport. But I mean, in this particular subject matter, we're going to be talking about it inside of sport. I don't know about you guys, but the last time I saw a game was uh, April, I think it was, uh, a live game. And um, I we know from the survey that Level Playing Field put out in May, feedback that we got back was that 43% of the supporters who took part in the survey said that suspension of live sport have had an impact on them personally uh, mentally or physically but that went up when we spoke about the coming season which is the season now which is 62 percent of supporters said that if this continued they worried about their personal and mental well-being for two people who know your disabled community regarding the dsa have you found this to be true have you had uh, members come up to you and talk about how they're doing during the pandemic i'll come to you first tony uh, i've had a couple of people that are concerned uh, i wouldn't say they were, they were overly affected although you could tell that they were really missing coming down to the valley and meeting up with people etc but uh, yeah i've had a couple of people that are concerned about when it's all going to start again because uh, i mean we had a uh, a training match, if you like, which was a full league match against Doncaster in September. There, we were allowed to socially distance a, a thousand fans in a 21,000 stadium. So they were quite well looked after. But the scramble for tickets was unbelievable. I mean, even particularly amongst ambulance and wheelchair disabled people, there was a, well oversubscribed for tickets. Sorry, the, sorry the, I was going to ask, did you manage to go to the game? And if you did, what was the experience? Uh, well, I went. I was down at the ground anyway because I had a bit of work to do. But I didn't get get a ticket for the game. Yep. It was there was a lot of people turned up who didn't have tickets, hoping to get in. I don't know what they thought was going to happen, uh, or maybe just to join in with the uh, the atmosphere of the game. You know, the match restarting. Um, but there are, there have been a lot of people that uh, 
that are missing it. And also the, the, the fact that the, the community trust that we have, that, that was initially affected by the shutdown as well. So even people who weren't particularly interested in football, but went went to the the centre for for partnership or, you know, to keep themselves occupied, they were missing out as well. Richard, I know for you, like uh-huh. Luton nearly had a, um, a a test event as well. How have you found your supporters, um, disabled supporters in particular, regarding attending or trying to attend or missing it? I think, um, yes, yeah, certainly Luton did have the opportunity of having a test event, but uh, for, for, for whatever their, their, their reasons, they weren't able to... Uh, they weren't able to complete that in terms of engagement and in terms of being able to monitor um, any any kind of feedback from uh, from Luton supporters, disabled supporters, has largely been based around some of the uh, comments that, that that I've certainly been reading and picking up on social media, um, particularly through um, the ability to watch games via iFollow. And, and then and then people's comments after that and and there are there have been a few comments about you know about about missing that the, the, the match day experience etc and and that engagement that, that Tony talks about which is uh, for some people is an absolute lifeline and um, so you know that that definitely has been uh, has been missing um, in, in people's lives and and again with the work that the that Luton's community team do as well it's having having a similar adverse effect um, I don't, you know in terms of people's mental health and well-being I, I think it's an area that not just football but society in general is, is kind of overlooked on the whole and I think I think the whole COVID experience so far has definitely highlighted issues around that that uh, that we could all learn from and, and, and all really need to do probably more than we're currently doing. Uh, so looking at it internally with the DSA how is how has COVID affected the DSA Richard? We used to meet on a bi-monthly basis um, at, at the ground, um, so we, we've been able to use rooms or a room within the, within the stadium when we've held meetings. We've we've not had that meeting. We have had an opportunity to do a Zoom meeting, but quite honestly, um, as far as as far as our sort of day-to-day business goes as a DSA, there's been there's been very little for us to do. Quite frankly, the club have had. Um, planning permission to build a new ground within Luton, which is obviously a very exciting um, prospect and and one that we as a DSA are hoping to play some kind of part in as as that moves on. But kind of everything's more or less on ice at the moment, if I'm honest. Tony, uh, do you feel that there's a fear that some DSAs could fall because of COVID, just because of the inactivity that that's happening, like like Richard's spoken about? Well, DSAs in, uh, are there to help disabled supporters and if there's no supporters going in the ground then there's there's not much uh that, that we would be useful for um but then if you if you think in terms of a d uh, any organize any fans organization um of having to close down then that's the obviously a negative and it gives you the impression that the club will never have supporters back and that obviously isn't isn't the situation i mean eventually they the, the fans will come back and the fans' organisations will be needed again. As we spoke about, COVID has had an unprecedented impact in everyone's lives. Regarding sport, it's had a destructive and, for some clubs, a permanent impact. Uh, we have seen clubs from the Football League go under, like Macclesfield Town. Hundreds of years of history, heartbeat in the community, disappear. And for some disabled supporters, Richard, you spoke about it, that could be their one day of the week of fully socialising with 
with, with their community. And you two have been in a unique position whereabouts with Luton Town about a decade ago, I think it is now, whereabouts you <laughs> were realistically going to go out of business completely. And with yeah. you, Tony, Charlton nearly went out of existence this year. So just to kind of go back to those times then, I'm going to come to you first, Richard. How was that feeling with with the idea that your club could disappear and do you think that 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 clubs could go under if if funding's not coming through with covid or support in any way um i think it it is it's an obvious reality um and the obvious thing is with having no supporters coming through the door there's no ticket sales going on so that is clearly going to have a massive impact on 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 all clubs and certainly, you know, down the years as a Luton Town supporter, we've certainly had our fair share of near misses and 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 so on in, t- in terms of being able to survive. And I think when you have a very strong supporter base, not just dis- disabled supporters, but, you know, supporters in general. And I think it's safe to say that that certainly Luton Town have a very strong core. That That's the sort of thing that actually does start to highlight the, the actual impact on the whole community that an active and proactive football club like Luton Town has actually become. Um, we should never, ever underestimate the power of social engagement. You know, um, the, the fact that people can you know, have a chat about the football. We, we, we all have our own opinions on, on, on games, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, all of us have read um, some comments that are made after games on social media or wherever else by people and you sit there yourself and think well I don't know oh, they must have been a different game but we all have that but those are really good things and it's really good to have all of those different opinions and things because that's what those are the sorts of things that bind us together whilst we might not all agree all the time that's the strength of, of social engagement. Tony for you your your experience is obviously a little bit more recent can you kind of explain the feeling of of your club possibly slipping away from you. I was very angry. And a lot of people were very angry. Charlton Athletic had a week to go. If there'd been no no takeover done within that week, then uh, we'd have been gone in, we'd have gone into administration. And, and what impact do you think that would have had on the community, Tony? I've been def- devastated. I mean, I mean, okay, we're near London, but this that's the, the nearest football club is Millwall, I think. And I don't think a lot of people from Charlton would want to go to Millwall. Um, we've got West Ham who've taken over that soulless ground uh, that was used for the Olympics. Um, so there's not really anything else. I mean, only local clubs like Welling and things like that. Now, apart from that, there's there isn't anything anything else. Football, football side of things. And no, it would have been it would have been devastating for it if we closed. Yeah. And just to kind of wrap this up now, really, I mean, what what for you, uh, Richard, are you most missing about football, the experience of it? I mean, what what's the one thing that you're just kind of eager to get back? Oh, to go to the ground and have a good moan and a good shout. I love going there and just, I, I, I listen, I'm, I'm the best footballer there ever there ever was sitting in the stand. <laughs> but, I, but I also think the other, the other 10,000 people in the stand probably also think exactly the same. So I... I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy that. Whether we whether we win or lose, um, that that for me is 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 kind of a, a real match day experience for me. Kind of almost like a stress relieving thing. Because, and obviously the burger, the burgers are fantastic. What can I say, Tony? I, I I've been to Kenilworth Ground, and that is not true. What Rich is saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in the terraces, they're quite and you're quite short. They're handy to stand on. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't. Tony, what are you missing, yeah. mate? What are you missing? Well, um, before and after the game, 
either going through a post-mortem or just cheering and, we, we, you know, before the game you meet up with people and pay over five pounds for a pint, all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> you get the camaraderie, I suppose. Um, it's, it's, it's a very good atmosphere, yeah. And, and obviously the, the football interrupts that. So you have, to, you, know, you have to go out for 90 minutes and watch them do their best. No, they're, they're, they're doing okay. I think out of the two of three of us on this call, I'm the one who wants to least talk about football. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up there before we start delving into where we are in the leagues. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for Richard for talking to me. And You're uh, welcome. And uh, I hope to be able to go to a game at uh, the Valley or Kenilworth Road soon enough. Johnny Goodball, we look forward to seeing you. Absolutely. If you'd like to know more about Charlton Athletic and Luton Town DSA, you can find a link to both associations in this program description of the podcast. That's it for episode one. We will be back in episode two, where we will discuss the return of fans to Stadia. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please do go rate and review this podcast as it helps people find it. We are a new podcast, so we're discovering a new audience. You can follow Level Playing Field across social media to find out a little bit more information about the work we are conducting away from the podcast. Like the TV sports streaming survey that we are doing right now, I would nudge you to go take part in that. You can also come and be a part of our new outreach project called Match of the Day Before, where we invite all supporters to come together and talk about the weekend sporting action you can also visit levelplayingfield.org.uk where you'll find club disability information as well as news articles and information regarding sport and disability if you would like to contact level playing field directly you can do that via social media or email info at levelplayingfield.org.uk stay well and i look forward to speaking to you again in a month's time bye-bye